If you would, remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Turn with me to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. And as you're turning there, just to be reminded, what we have talked about the last few weeks, uh, as Blake has preached and I have, uh, just because we're in a new chapter doesn't mean we're in a new section. Uh, if I was dividing up, I would not put a new chapter here in Romans 15. The chapters were not inspired by God. Um, so Romans chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with this people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Please be seated. So for the last two weeks, the Apostle Paul has been spurring on the body of Christ to unity and the upbuilding of one another. And the end goal is not us being built up. The end goal is the glory of God. That is the end goal. And we are all weak in some areas while strong in others. And as we serve the Lord together, we are to pursue peace and the mutual upbuilding of the body. When we are focused on building up one another for the glory of God, this is one way that we are living for the Lord. Hopefully you caught that. One way in which we glorify God is by building up one another for the glory of God. We don't place a stumbling block or hindrance before other brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't quarrel over opinions with the one who is weak in faith. We don't live to self. We don't pass judgment on one another. We're not to grieve one another by standing on Christian liberty, ignoring the body of Christ. We are to live to the Lord, and this is the way of God's children. In our home, we recently started watching a while back The Mandalorian, and you hear the phrase, this is the way, over and over and over again. 
This is the way of the church. This is how the church is to live. We are to build up one another for the glory of God. We don't grieve one another. We live to the Lord. So although we look at chapter 15 today from Romans, the apostle continues to instruct us in the same subject matters. If we as individuals cherish sound doctrine, we will also love and treasure righteous living. It's not that we get into a room and we have a desk and we have all of our theological books laid out. We do that and we study to know the one true living God and we cherish the one true living God, but we leave that room and we live to the glory of God. Doctrine does not end with knowledge. We are to live righteous lives according to God's word. John MacArthur said, Knowing the Bible well is our means of equipping ourselves for a righteous life. So if you want to have a righteous life, know what God has said. The picture is a child coming before the Father, sitting down and saying, Father, I want to hear what you have to say. I want to learn. Feed me. We are to glorify God. And this will not happen as individuals. This will not happen as a church if our doctrine and our lives are not covered with the love of God. Paul begins today with obligations of the spiritually strong as he discusses the implications of our salvation. Look at Romans 15, verse 1 and 2. We who are strong... We have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. You see, anytime we see an area in our own life where we are spiritually strong or physically strong and we can overpower others, it's our natural tendency, our normal way of living to say, Aha, I am better than you. And you look down upon somebody else for how they are. Dear brother and sister, are you thankful for the grace of God? The spiritually strong are to bear with the failings of the weak. The strong are to bear the weaknesses of those who are without strength. The strong are to help carrying the weight of the weak versus just tolerating the weak. The strong are not to complain about the weaknesses of others, nor are they to gossip and become frustrated because there is someone in the church who is spiritually less mature than they are. You don't gossip about that, become frustrated. You look at that as an opportunity to glorify God by encouraging and spurring them on. The strong have an obligation as a purchased child themselves, to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please themselves. We are to shoulder the burdens of those who are weaker than ourselves, considering them. In 1 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul was speaking to a church that was struggling. I mean, really struggling. When you're getting together for the Lord's Supper and people are becoming drunk, and those who don't have food and, and bread and water, they're barely surviving. You have major issues as a church. But please hear this. Paul still addressed them as the church. 
He said in chapter 9, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak. I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beat in the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul used the words, I am a servant to all, and he was saying that for the glory of God. In Philippians 2, verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. If you're always concerned about you, that tells yourself if you're spiritually mature or not. Church family, we are covered by the blood of Christ. We are not our own. We are to serve one another. We are to help one another. We are to look to the interest of one another. As Blake said last week, you see over and over and over again in Scripture, talking about the church, one another, one another, one another, one another. It's not me, 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 I, I, I. It's the glory of God. We are to take up what is a burden to others and help carry them. Are you ignorant to the absolute truth that there are times in which you need to be carried? The words here imply that we pick them up if need be and carry them. It's also a picture of a man carrying a huge jug of water and grasping in it with all of his strength and picking it up and moving forward. That's what the body of Christ does. The welfare of others is to be our concern as followers of Jesus. We don't say we're a follower of Jesus with nothing to back it up. We say that we're a follower of Jesus, a tree is known by its fruit, that faith without works is dead, that if we are truly been born again by the blood of Christ, if he has, he has redeemed us, he has justified us, there is sanctification to be seen. The welfare of others should be our concern. The strong are to bear the weaknesses of those who are lacking strength at the moment. Look at verse 2. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. We don't please our neighbor for pleasing our neighbor's sake. You don't please your neighbor in order to say, now I am on their good page. The strong are to help shoulder the burdens of the weak and build him or her up. You are purposefully trying to strengthen them. And the, what's the end game? The glory of God. 
You're strengthening them for the glory of God. We are to please our neighbor to their edification, to their upbuilding. We don't look at this as if, as you exist to make your neighbor happy. No, you exist to glorify God. And this includes you building up your neighbor to the glory of God. Look at Galatians 1, verse 10. It says, For now am I seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So Paul in Romans is not saying you are to please your neighbor. No, you are to please your neighbor for his good to build him up because it's about the glory of God. The words please your neighbor in Romans are not referring to their happiness, but to God's glory. We are not seeking our neighbor's approval, nor do we change or water down the gospel to make our neighbor happy. We are building up our neighbors for the glory of God. And what that means is truth. Telling the truth. Speaking the truth. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 24, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. So a few principles we have learned through this. Number one, help shoulder the burdens of the weak. If you have a spouse right now and you're thinking of your spouse, shame on you. You should be thinking about all the weak things that you have in your life. Help shoulder the burdens of the weak. And number two, build them up for their good and God's glory. On a personal note, if you're thinking about all the things in which you are weak, be reminded that God has given you something for the building up of your life spiritually right here. Remember, all scripture is what? God breathed. Profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. So God has given us what we need. He has sealed us with the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. He has equipped us through his holy word. We dare not come before the Lord and the Lord start to speak and we look at him and say, Lord, I don't want that. It's, Lord, thank you, you have spoken. Thank you, you have given me your word for me to grow up and to mature. And if you don't enjoy helping others with great love, I say this, you are struggling spiritually if you don't enjoy helping others spiritually and you need help or you yourself are spiritually dead and you have deceived yourself that you've been found. Christians should enjoy obeying the Lord and doing good for his glory. John Piper noted for years that John Piper struggled in the fact that he enjoyed helping others. And he said for him that became a sin, that he enjoyed helping others. And he's like, that's not, that's not a sin. It's a glorious truth to help equip other people for the glory of God. We should find joy in serving the Lord through serving others. What a privilege it is to be used by God for the glory of God. Romans 15, verse 3, For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So Jesus Christ is our supreme example 
of the one who did not come to please himself. He came to serve, not to be served. He gave his life as a ransom for many. John 4, verse 34, Jesus said, My food, my food is through the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. What if that was our food? What if we woke up and we just not knew the lyrics to the song, Lord, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. But we woke up and we said, Lord, I get to serve you today. That's my food. You've already purchased me. You've adopted me. You've paid for me. You've done it all. I get to wake up and to live for you. What a glorious truth that would be for his child. John 6, verse 38. I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Don't get past the words Jesus says, I came down from heaven. All of us, we're ready to go to heaven. Jesus says, I came down from heaven. I came down to pay for you. I came down to live for you, to freely lay down my life. The food of Christ was doing the will of the Father. So many times the disciples, they looked around and they could not find Jesus. Where did he go? Like, we have this amazing crowd here, and they want to hear the teachings of Jesus. Where was Jesus? And Jesus was off by himself, praying, seeking the will of his Father. In Romans 15, verse 3, Paul quotes Psalm 69, verse 9. He said, for zeal for your house has consumed me. And the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. So Christ was consumed with zeal for his father. His energy, his pursuit in life was lived for the father alone. Therefore, when Christ came, men hated him just like they hate the father. Christ was hated Christ was beaten, Christ was whipped, Christ was nailed to the cross, Christ was gossiped about, he was wounded with words, he was, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they tried to trap him and trick him, and they beat him, they spit on him, they punched him in his face, and he was doing God's will, and he laid down his life freely for sinners. Charles Simeon said these words about our Savior. At no one moment of his life do we find him consulting his own pleasure, his only object, his very meat and drink was to do the will of him who sent him. Because if those words aren't true, we don't have a Savior. But we have a Savior. He did his Father's will perfectly all the time. His zeal for God did not bow down to the will of men. He did not sin one time in thought, one time in word, one time in deed. His zeal for God did not bow down to Satan. God the Father sent God the Son, and they hated the Son. Because the Son revealed the Father, the righteous and the Holy One. What if in every circumstance... We long to please the Lord instead of ourselves, as if it were our food. 
Christians should desire the zeal of God to consume them. We should not desire to get over a trial, to get over a circumstance. In whatever situation we are presently in, it is this, Lord, how can I glorify you right now? No matter what is done to me, no matter what you allow, no matter what you cause, no matter what approaches me, whatever men do, may I glorify you in it. Before the Lord, we are never neutral. We are serving the Lord or we are serving self. We should look to Christ as a supreme example how he came to be served and not to... He came to serve, not to be served. Romans 15, verse 4. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures... We might have hope. So Paul is taking us back now to Romans 12. If you go back to Romans 12, he talks about your spiritual worship. It means your mind is transformed or you are conformed to the things of this world. Once again, the Apostle Paul sees the Old Testament scriptures as necessary words. Beloved, I, I love the New Testament. I do. You cannot understand the New Testament if you don't grasp the old. All their longings, all their lookings, all the promises. This is what Paul was referring to. He's saying these words are necessary. When Paul was dying, he wanted the scriptures. God's word is needed in your life for right doctrine and righteous living. If you don't care about knowing right doctrine, that means you don't care about righteous living, which means you haven't pondered enough that one day you will stand before the Lord and give an account. John Calvin used these words, it is by reading scripture that we progress in godliness and holiness of life. We should therefore strive to learn what we have received in scripture. So what we have received in scripture, what God has preserved for us to know, what he has given to us freely, we should strive to know it. Do you know what strive means? It's a labor. Work hard at knowing what God has said. As Blake said earlier, pray for whoever is preaching because they're supposed to declare, thus saith the Lord. As Christians, we should know what God has said. God's word instructs us. And we need instruction from God. You are not autonomous. God's word strengthens us. God's word encourages us. God's holy word provides promises for us to grasp and declare with our voices, God will do this. God will come again. God will judge the earth. God will punish sin. God will never let go of his children. And promises that he's already kept. I'm going to provide a savior. Jesus has come. Perhaps right now you're even struggling today. 
you can go to the Word of God and find comfort for your soul. Because the Word is alive. It instructs, it encourages, and it strengthens. We can rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. This is our hope. If we can't rest here, there's nowhere to rest. Our hope and our treasure, as we sang about earlier, is to be Christ alone. He is our redemption. Jesus said to me, come to me. He he used the words, come to me, and you will find rest for your weary soul. Some of us are weary today because we haven't gone to him. We've gone everywhere else. If you are in Christ, you are never without hope. Therefore, go to him and find rest. Romans 15, verse 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, you have this picture of together with one voice. As our God is three in one, the church is never to walk alone because the church is not you. The church is those whom he has adopted. Our God who causes us to persevere, our God who encourages us, calls us, causes us to live in harmony with one another. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to live in harmony with one another. The strong and the weak are to live in spiritual harmony, even with differing opinions. And for some of us who are prideful, we must get to the root of that and say, what are we really prideful about? Because we want everyone to believe exactly what we believe, as if we are God. The strong and the weak are to live in spiritual harmony. The strong and the weak, side by side, arms linked, one voice, one purpose, the glory of God. One voice, unity in the church, harmony, this glorifies the Lord. Our purpose in all things is to be the glory of God. We are not our own. We were bought with a price. Therefore, we glorify God with our bodies. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We are to live to the Lord. You see, when we seek the glory of God in all things according to his holy word, not according to our own thoughts, our own opinions, that's a whole other sermon. But we seek the glory of God in all things according to his word, we will find unity in the upbuilding of his church. Over the last few weeks, Blake and I have been talking about what the Lord is doing here. We've been talking with great excitement spiritual growth, numerical growth, brothers and sisters talking about sin and confessing that sin. God's children serving one another, caring for one another, calling one another. Prayer. Prayer becoming a priority. Not a possibility, but a priority. Closed groups are now open groups. Focused on God's glory and not comfort. The Great Commission being obeyed. The lost Not knowing that there is loss, but the lost people are seen as important. Having compassion on the lost. 
The salvation of those in our household, of our children, of our spouses not being neglected. To sum it up, the training of all in godliness, obeying the commands of God, is becoming the main thread in this church. God is at work. And our response is to ride this wave as long as God causes it to last, focused on His glory. The Spirit of God putting to death the deeds of the body. Selfishness, pride, gossip, slander, laziness. Together with one voice glorifying the Lord. Romans 15 verse 7. Therefore, we already summed up everything with therefore previously. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. For the glory of God. So in talking about the body of Christ, this is what Paul, the Apostle Paul says, hey, I want you to picture Christ. I want you to picture Christ welcoming you. And now, with that picture, look at everybody else. Oh my goodness. I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. So you welcome one another to the glory of God. God has welcomed you. Welcome one another. Welcome one another with weaknesses. It's not about kindness. It's about the glory of God. I have two girls. Addison and Alyssa. And so in our household, we have watched Cinderella more than once. And the new line from that is, have courage and be kind. We hear so much in our society about kindness to one another, loving one another. But as God's children, let all be done for the glory of God. If it's to be done for the glory of God, yes, we will be kind, but we will speak truth. Yes, we will be kind, but it will be for the end result of God becoming worshipped. Christ came as a servant to bring sinners into God's family. It is kind to inform each other that you are a sinner. We are his servants for the purpose of his glory. And this includes building up the kingdom of God. We have to be willing to talk about sin. We must be willing to talk about our own sin. And we should help conform other people into the likeness of Christ. What Christ has done for us. What Christ is now doing for us. Interceding for us. Praying for us. Welcoming us. Gifting us. We dare not be consumed with self and not serve him. We serve others for the purpose of serving him because it's all about the glory of God. Now, James Montgomery Boyce, he used these words to help us understand the importance of glorifying God in the church. He began with words that really troubled me. He said, the real problem is that Christians often do not appreciate and support one another. Recognizing that whatever differences may exist, all who are Christ's followers nevertheless belong to the same family, same fellowship, and same body, and therefore belong to one another. That is how, above all other ways, 
that God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ must be glorified by us before the watching world. The words, the real problem is that Christians do not appreciate and support one another, recognizing that whatever differences may exist. So often we're focused upon what divides us within the local body that we don't realize the most important thing is that Christ has united us. Paul confirms that the new covenant in Jesus Christ is for the Jew and the Gentile. At this time, for them reading this, Paul was basically telling them, look, I get it. You have Jews in the church and you have Gentiles in the church. Problems exist. Christ has welcomed you. You welcome each other. Walk together as the body. In Romans 15, verse 9, it says, As written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, that all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So for 11 chapters, the Apostle Paul focusing on the fact that the gospel is for the Jew as well as the Gentile. And now in practicality of the living out of the church, he brings it up again to point out something major for them and something major we need to hear today. Christ has welcomed you. Welcome other believers. We're not talking about differing opinions on salvations by grace and works. No, we're talking about salvations by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We all have sin. We all have struggles. Welcome one another and work with one another because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the glory of God. And I love what Paul did here. Paul quoted Deuteronomy. Paul quoted Psalm. Paul, Paul quoted Isaiah. He quoted the Old Testament scriptures to inform the church in Rome that it was always God's plan for Christ to come and to die for every people group, tribe, tongue, and language. That the gospel was always for Jew and for Gentile. Because we find Deuteronomy 32, Rejoice with him, O heavens. Bow down to him, all gods, for he avenges the blood of his children, takes vengeance on his adversaries. He repays those who hate him and cleanses his people's land. In Psalm 117, from Romans 15, 11, Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. Romans 15, 12, from Isaiah 11, In that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples of him, shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. So God's plan before the foundation of the world was to save sinners through the blood of his son. And the blood of his son was going to cover sinners from every tribe, tongue, language, and people. So if you're going to say that you are the church, you welcome those who Christ has welcomed. You don't shun them and point out their flaws and point at them and say, you're weak. Christ here fulfilled Old Testament scriptures. His plan included Jews and Gentiles. His plan is also that his church of Jews and Gentiles bear the failings of one another and build up one another. And you may be saying, but pastor, that is extremely messy. Yes, welcome to Christianity 101. 
Marriage is messy. Parent and child relationships are messy. Being a Christian is messy. Being a part of a church family where sinners come together and praise God, it's messy. But don't hear me. Sinners coming together and praising God, a marriage, a family, they are also a major blessing. It's just opportunities for growth. The church of God does not image God when unity does not exist and we are not about building up one another in love for the glory of God. They will know that you are Christians by the love that you have for the world. No. They will know that you are Christians by the love that you have for one another. And then... It's as if Paul closes everything out with a doxology. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. That's Paul's prayer for those in Rome. He was saying, our God is a God of hope. Go to him. Our God is where joy and peace is found. Go to him. I'm praying this for you. Being in Christ, sealed with the Holy Spirit, God works and flooding our life with hope that is found in him. The problem is not you focusing on the differences and you focusing on yourself. The problem is you need to focus on the Lord because he has given you everything. Being in Christ, sealed. So as we encounter times of difficulty with brothers and sisters in Christ, because let's just be honest, when something like this is taught, you better be prepared because something's about to come. As we work with one another, as we learn our differences and pursue the glory of God and the good of others, let us always remember that there is hope in Christ. Our hope that is in Christ transforms every relationship for his glory. If we abide in his word, Jesus said, you're truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and that truth will set you free. But it's because God's word is alive and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And by God's grace, we will experience the oneness that we have in Christ. The words of Daniel Dornai really penetrated my heart this week, my mind. It says, we please our neighbors rather than ourselves because the good of the weak is more important than our rights and liberties. Above all, we please others because Jesus, our hero, mentor, and exemplar did. We welcome proud, selfish, legalistic, misinformed, overconfident, annoying, and scheming people because Jesus did. He embraced all of them and all of us before we knew him, when he formed us, and again, when we repented of sin and trusted him. And I'll add on to that. If we have been born again, if we truly belong to the Lord this morning, he embraces you now, even though you still sin against him. So to the spiritually strong in this room, help shoulder the burdens of the weak. If you're only looking out for self, you're not spiritually strong. Number two, build up the weak for their good because you're focused on God's glory. 
build up the weak for their good because you're focused on God's glory. Number three, this one's hard. Don't complain, grumble, and gossip. Don't complain, grumble, and gossip. I recognize it's very easy for us to look out over the church and say, I really wish they would get this. I really wish they would learn this. I, I really wish, brother and sister, what do you think about your own life when you stand before the Lord? Are you actually thinking about, Lord, you're so patient with me? I've been struggling with this for years and years. You're so patient with me, and you're still growing me. You're still stretching me. Don't complain, grumble, and gossip. Number four, pray. Pray. Pray and serve. Pray. Number five, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Our theology is always getting fixed. <laughs> we are all in the transform, transformation process if we've been born again. If we have been justified, God is sanctifying us. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Number six, remember our hope is in Christ alone. Our hope is not that somebody would mature. Our hope is not, I hope they get this. Number, our hope is not, I hope they actually do something according to what I want done. Our hope is in Christ alone. Number seven, remain humble. Remain humble. We need to be told on a regular basis, and if we're reading God's word, it will be told to us, we have many weaknesses. As John Piper would say, you are not a professional Christian. You haven't arrived yet. God is still working on you. Remain humble. We have many weaknesses. Number eight, don't neglect the church. The church is the bride of Christ. Don't neglect the bride. I wish I could say this over and over and over again. As a pastor, it sounds like I'm saying, you need to come to church and we need your money. Okay, that may be true. You need to come to church and you need to give because God's called you to give. But I'm saying don't neglect the bride of Christ because God has adopted you into a family. You have been given a gift in order to use that gift. And you're going to go through trials and temptations and hardships where you need the body of Christ behind you, pushing you on, looking to Christ. Amen. And by the way, that includes me and Blake and all the deacons in this church. There's not one of us who doesn't need to be pushed on to holiness. Amen. Don't neglect the church. Number nine, look to Christ. Consider Christ. Our great and perfect example who came to serve and not be served. Oh, we need to be reminded of that. Keep looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. All right, that was the spiritually strong. How about the spiritually weak in the room? You need the church. Don't neglect it. Neglecting will be your natural response. Embrace those whom Christ has adopted and grow with them. You need the church. Don't neglect it. Number two, 
Be honest with brothers and sisters and allow them to help carry your burdens. If you're saying you're spiritually strong and these also apply to you, you're absolutely correct. Remember that Christ has welcomed you. Number three, remain steadfast in seeking him. You have his word. You have the local body. Grow. Number four, there is encouragement. There is hope. There is instruction. And there is endurance that is found in God's word. Abide. Stay. Camp out in the word of God. And have a transformed mind. That is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to the things of this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good, perfect, and pleasing to him. And number five. Don't be afraid to ask for help. We are all weak. Christ is our hope. Whether or not you walk with the Lord for a long time or a short period of time, we need to be reminded over and over and over again, you are not the hero. Christ is. Your blood saves no one. The blood of Christ is what saves. We don't need to be afraid to ask for help. The Lord has actually commanded us in Scripture to pray without ceasing, keep coming to Him, keep adoring Him. Keep confessing your sins. Keep thanking him. And then keep petitioning him for things in your life. Like we are extremely needy people. We're needy because we're not God. Don't be afraid to ask for help. To the strong and the weak, live in harmony with one another. That together you may with one voice glorify God. You're going to have disagreements. You're going to have things in which you just disagree with. We could talk about end times till the end times come. But live in harmony with one another. With one voice you want to glorify God. This life is not about us. We need to hear that. But if we're going to say that I believe that this life is about the glory of God, that better mean that we as children abide in the word of God. And we know the word of God. And we cherish and love the commands of God. And we want to do what he has commanded us to do. This life is not about us. It is about the glory of God. To live a righteous life for the glory of God. It is not just good, biblical, sound, great doctrine. It is also taking that good, sound, perfect biblical doctrine and moving it over to our life to where we want to live a righteous life for the glory of God. Well, I don't know about you, but my toes got stepped on today. Um, Whether or not you're strong, whether or not you feel weak, it says we have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. We are to please his neighbor for his good, to build him up for the purpose that God may be glorified. And so I hope that you would also be thinking about who is in your life that God has placed there in which you need to be building up. Who needs encouragement in this church that you are aware of? 
Who is your neighbor that is nearby, sitting close to you at a desk, in class, at school, at work, that you need to build up? And who in this church do you need to confess sins to, seek encouragement, be honest with, because none of us are professionals. We need the Lord in all things, and we need to be built up for the glory of God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy word. Your word is alive. Your word is active. Your word is a gift. Even when Jesus was walking this earth, he said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word which you have spoken. Jesus himself said, I have food that you do not know about to do the will of the Father. Lord, more than anything else, may that be our true hearts and minds desire. Lord, I want to glorify you above all things. Lord, I want your will done in my life as it is in heaven. I want those sins to depart. I want the the flesh to, to be banished away. I want to embrace your commands and to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, knowing that I'm going to fail and I'm going to rest on Christ. But Lord, I want to please you. Father, thank you for sending Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to this earth as a perfect example, as a Savior who left the glories of heaven, who was hated by men, crucified, died, on the third day rose from the dead, fulfilling Old Testament scriptures, him fully obeying your every command and will, making a way for sinners to be saved by all who trust in him. Remind us, Lord, that we are not the hero. We are children who have received grace, and we are to welcome one another because this life is not about us. This church is to be about your glory. Help us. We need that help, Lord. We ask and we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.